You're tuned into the It's Real podcast with your hosts, Kayla Callender and Andrew Yagi. Each week, we'll talk about what happens behind the scenes working full-time in real estate and share with you real-life stories, our successes, and failures as we work to help consumers and industry professionals reach their real estate and real-life goals. Here we go. Episode 23 of the It's Real podcast. I'm Andrew Yegi, and I'm a real estate agent. I'm Kayla Callender, and I'm a mortgage lender. Kayla, long time no see. Been a while, Andy. How have you been? I've been really good, really busy. Been uh, taking part in one of my favorite fall family pastimes of helping with the fall harvest, sugar beet harvest, namely. So it's mm-hmm. been a busy uh, week and a half for us. And Kayla, we are so close to being kind of wrapped up here and then uh, ended up with some rain, unfortunately. So what happens in farming life and the Yagis have sh- sugar beets, huh? We do. Yep. Among other small grains and the like, it's really, I was talking to a friend of mine just about this today. And as we were kind of catching up a little bit and I've been playing phone tag and he said to me, he said, you know, that's just so weird to think that, you know, sugar beet or sugar comes from a plant from a beet or, or sugar cane, you know, depending on how you get your sugar, and uh and and just how it just it's just kind of a weird weird mm-hmm. weird feeling you don't really know until like you're actually out in the country and you see the fields and you see the things i think what the people that are from big cities and they don't really know like what a corn stalk looks like or what alfalfa like all the things so that's right. like our midwesternness in us right absolutely no there's no no better way it's great to live i think in a more rural area you know with you know, with kind of an agrarian base, but yet still having kind of all of the the big city amenities and just the ability to to get up and go as well. I think it's a great, great area to live. Best of both worlds. Yeah. What's been new with you, Kayla? Um, n- Nothing crazy new. Um, You know, still working, still seeing a lot of people applying, still getting to the lake, Um, still, you know, being the best fur mom to my four pities, you know, just the usual. <laughs> so, Nothing too crazy. Very nice. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Kayla. What, you know, it's been probably a couple of weeks since we've mm-hmm. talked and, you know, probably not a whole lot to report, but I think one of the biggest questions I still get, and obviously you as a lender get, yeah. what are rates doing right. and, and where are we at? And that, <laughs> yeah, as you can see, for those of us that are watching, um, you can see the, these today's mortgage rates from, again, Mortgage News Daily. is the 30 year fixed rate as of today, that as of this time, as of this date. And I don't know if you remember last time, but we were at, you know, seven and an eighth, seven and a quarter. I think one time um, in the last few podcasts we did, we were at 7.4. So you are seeing rates ticking up, my friend. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, um, I still, still will hone in on this is that it's not just about the rate, it's about your payment. And, and as you can see, 8% is scary. But Andy, can we show that slide that you had up of the MBA? So obviously, we're getting towards the end of 2023. And you're seeing what is that 7.2? I can see on my yep, screen. 7.2. Yep. And we're nationally at 8. Now, that's just a national you know, um, average of, of multiple different companies. But as you can see in 24, we're still seeing some type of forecast of decline. But you know, if we looked back at one of our podcasts and we look back at the 
MBA report from even January, February, March, it is not what they predicted. So we don't know if we're going to see this long-term 8%. We don't know. However, um, I think it's also important to talk about, um, you know, that's not the only rate out there. There's options for different people. There's different programs. There's first-time homebuyer programs. There's VA. There's FHA. And right now, um, you know, I do a lot of North Dakota housing. North Dakota housing, if you guys can see this, you can get a rate as low as 5.9. So if you're listening to the media and all you hear is 8%, my goodness, that means you're not talking to a lender because, you know, if you're buying in North Dakota, whether you're a first time or repeat buyer, um, you can qualify for many different North Dakota housing options. I know, Andy, you're in Minnesota. You know, there's a lot of different Minnesota options, but I just like to point this out because, wow, if you're looking at this, you're getting assistance on some of those programs and you're still getting a lower rate. So I say this because it is so important that you don't just listen to the headlines, you guys. I hope that you know, you're not shutting this podcast off after I said 8% because at that point you can see we have some options for people. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of, of education. Yeah, and you talk about kind of those state-specific housing programs. I actually have a buyer that was referred to me, and we're going to close on a house next week that um, is using, you know, kind of some Minnesota-specific programs, you know, to kind of help this buyer get into a house. And, you know, it, it's been really intriguing, you know, kind of watching the market, you know, and and as it cycled over the past couple of years. And now, Again, it, it go into a little bit of a slower cycle, partially fueled by higher interest rates, but still really seeing those that are really, really motivated. I've had buyers that come to me like this aforementioned individual, you know, not with a great budget, um, you know, a single income and uh, but, you know, working with a really creative, great lender and really working hard. And, and of course, the buyer's got to want it too, Kayla. That's the biggest thing. But able to find something, actually a really desirable house at a great price, even got a little bit of a deal on it. And so that's fun to see. On the other end of the spectrum, you know, I've had the privilege of listing, you know, several very nice properties um, lately and still seeing multiple offers on these properties. The offers maybe aren't as competitive as they used to be. You know, a, a buyer may be able to ask for some closing costs, Um, You know, not people aren't paying, you know, multiples, multiples over asking price in some cases. But the long and the short of it is um, if there are motivated people out there and if a property Mm -hmm. is desirable, uh, boy, I would say if if it makes sense for you to buy or sell, reach out and visit with someone. Mm -hmm. And you're spot on because right now it's all about how you're viewing this and your perspective is your own reality. And the fact of it is, you know, Andy, you and I talked previously is we'll hear people on social media or comments say no one should be buying a house right now. And it's funny because those people are probably not in a position to buy. They don't understand how much equity you can gain. I think on every purchase agreement I've gotten in the last couple of weeks, there's been seller pay closing costs. How wonderful is that? And so I think that there is opportunity. But at the end of the day, just don't be Googling rates. Don't just be you know, assuming, you know, the payment, meet with a realtor, meet with a lender and find what's going to work for you. And if it's not right now, that's okay. It's not for everybody, but at least you've done your homework. No, because as we just pointed out, if you're a first time home buyer or a repeat buyer in the state of North Dakota, wow, you can get some really great deals. So it's important to talk to the experts. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Always good to talk. Never hurts to talk. Never. And we're good to talk. 
<laughs> I, I want to shift gears a little bit. And, you know, I appreciate you sending me this article yeah. um, that talks about Gen Z home buyers. Mm -hmm. Now, we talk a lot about, you know, buying and selling in general. We've talked a lot about the millennial demographic that, well, I guess technically you and I belong to, although, yeah. like we talked, I think, I know I'm kind of an old soul millennial. I think you are as well. Totally. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the, so right now the millennials, uh, someone age 33 is the the largest group of home, home buyers out there. But coming up quickly is Generation Z uh, or Gen Z. And so I think it's really important, Kayla, and I'm glad you brought this up because I think it's really good not only for me and my team and other agents that might watch this, but also for um, lenders potentially who are, are seeing this or even just the consumer in general. Again, especially for those that might be watching this and saying, hey, I'm going to sell my house. And I mean, it's really good to have an understanding of, of the profile of all of these different buyer groups, because it's actually quite interesting. It, it is. I love these reports. So Kristen Messerly, she does a fabulous job um, at putting this together and she's got, you know, a panel of people that will assist, but you know, what I love about this is it's put together very beautifully aesthetically. Um, but it also connects the dots about what's up to you know, what's up and coming who's the next buyer and where are they coming from and so i think it's important that anyone that's listening to this whether they are a uh, realtor or a lender or they're a buyer or seller that when we look at this report it is so important to start thinking about how are people looking up andy yegi how are people finding out about kayla calendar and I think that Gen Z goes straight to the social medias. I think that they are well-educated. I think they have access to so many more resources than a lot of people before them. And so what's great about that is they're educated, but what can come with that is misinformation from the media. And so one of the things that I think um, is cool is, Andy, can you pull up that report again and we'll take a peek at that? Um, I'd love to kind of walk through this. So um, if you scroll down a little bit here, um, and thank you to everyone that helped with this report. There's a few people that were amazing. Um, keep going, Andy. There's there's some really cool stats um, in here. Um, if you keep going down a little bit there. Okay, so we go through projected home ownership rate. It's going to show you across race and ethnicity. It kind of goes into some statistics and keep going down just a little bit. But what I want to focus on in this is the challenges that Gen Z has. Because a lot of times we're looking at the market and we're like, oh, there's just, you know, not as much inventory and rates are higher. But there are so many factors that are contributing to people purchasing homes. And so this is based around what is Gen Z experiencing? And as you can see, um, and, I'll, and I'll walk through this, is what are these barriers? And it's affordability, financial knowledge, and lack of support. So these three pillars, it breaks it down for us in these reports. And so um, if you can see this, um, if people are watching or, or listening, it talks about the cost of living has gone up so much. And I had someone the other day tell me that they're paying $800 a month for rent and it's going up to 1100. And so the cost of living and just renting, let alone the, the ability to own a home and what comes with that and the costs. Um, I love that it talks about anxiety, mental health and anxiety. That's a, that's a challenge. Um, personal financial knowledge, like we talked about. And then too much debt. I mean, you've seen it, Andy. You know what the the national debt is. I mean, it's insanity now. And so you're having people that are paying higher interest rates on their credit cards. 
And if they're getting a new car loan, that's higher too. And all of these things are contributing to financial challenges for the Gen Z up and coming buyer. But um, Kayla, just really quick. So for those, you know, kind of tuning in and wondering, you know, who is Gen Z? So Gen Z generally age 18 to 24. Um, but then also looking at this report, it actually looks like there maybe is a little bit more hope for Gen Z versus, you know, the the, the younger millennials, you know, which they're defining here as 25 to 34 and older millennials, um, you know, who I think have struggled a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, you know, with some of these other areas. So for me, it was actually kind of interesting that even though these are all concerns, you know, about debt and everything, maybe a little bit less so than millennials. And, you know, I guess uh, until I saw this, I hadn't really thought about, you know, why, why Gen Z just seems to be so much more chill than millennials. Why do you think that is, Kayla? I, you know, I was thinking about this when I first read the report and I'm like, is it how we were raised? Is it what, you know, how we were taught to save so much and make sure you've got this nest egg? Or is it that Gen Z is just, they've got access to maybe different income sources or um, d different, I guess, perspectives? Um, because I think too that um, these, the Gen Z, as you can see on this report, it's, it's a little bit less than, you know, the millennials in terms of they feel a little bit more confident in the market and maybe they're doing their research. Maybe millennials aren't reaching out and doing the research. I know a lot of people my age that don't watch the news. They don't go on social and they really don't have any access of knowledge at all. I mean, what are your thoughts in terms of? Well, so it does talk a little bit about Gen Z, you know, likely having some more parental support. And so I was just pondering that a little bit. And, you know, I've seen from a number of millennials. I mean, I think of myself and, and other people I know who have been just very, very independent. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I almost wonder if Gen Z is less independent and more dependent on parents or, you know, some of those figures in their life. And as a result, that that probably plays a role as well. It also does talk about they're less likely to report challenges. So maybe less mm -hmm. likely to share it as openly as, you know, the millennial group. So, mm -hmm. And it could be. And that's, you know, I'm not a Gen Z, but, you know, you got to understand, like a lot of them might be able to live at home with their parents. Maybe, maybe they can, you know, they have that support, just like you said. So um, what I really like about this report, um, I love that you're scrolling. Thank you. Um, we just talked about it. 58% uh, said, hi, the cost of renting prevents them from considering homeownership. And that's where I get kind of confused because I'm like, are they saying that the cost of renting is cheaper because we all know that it's going up. So that stat, I, I almost want to dig more into. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, that is a good question. You know, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, right in, right now, we know that that rents are through the roof. You know, mm -hmm. like like we've already talked, and and you know, it, it comes down to supply and demand um, and everything else. And so, yeah, if, if rents are through the roof, I mean, obviously, it's putting negative pressure on an individual's income, which might make it more challenging, you know, to save for a down payment, which then, you know, perceptually home ownership is unattainable. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And then the affordability piece, I mean, and it, I mean, it's there and it's going to be there. And, you know, I was talking to another agent who is big into development and said, realistically, you know, the only way you're going to solve the affordability issue is probably, to go and to build like mobile home parks. Mm 
Wow. which can be very challenging in our area of the country, just given, you know, the, the weather. And obviously there are a great deal of them, but, mm-hmm. but just, you look at the cost of building even a modular um, home mm-hmm. and even, you know, uh, uh, the manufactured homes that they're putting out today, the cost, I mean, is, it, it's high, just mm-hmm. like everything else. It is. And it's, it's one of those things too, where um, you don't even really understand how much you're spending until you really like, write it all out. And that, that can be paralyzing for people. Um, and I love that you've got the job instability. And, and as a lender lately, anytime that I get an application, it's not super common that I'm seeing someone in a job for more than a year. It's a lot of job jumping lately. And so this stat does not surprise me that 60% of Gen Z uh, stated low levels of income or job instability was a top obstacle to home buying. And so I'm seeing, and I don't know if that's because during COVID, you know, did they switch jobs? Did they go out on their own and become self-employed? And then now, you know, people don't have this, you know, extra income to spend. And so now they're going back to a W-2 job. That's, that's something I've seen a lot of actually, Andy, when I pull, you know, credit and see applications. Um, and so that's a big one too. Um, and of course, interest rates, but I love this. Mm-hmm. 51% said high interest rates were, an, were a current obstacle to buying a home. And so half, half of them, you know, and you hear so many people talk about interest rates, but I think Gen Z has a better outlook on that because they didn't get to probably see the, the low rates that the millennials maybe, you know, missed out on, like we talked about missing that golden opportunity. I think this is kind of what they know. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I'm sure they're probably cognizant of what rates are and, and, and heard of them, but you know, it, it maybe wasn't relevant at the time. So mm-hmm. something exactly. That just, exactly. Just, just and, as you, and as you can see, um, there's multiple different um, pieces of information here talking about the flexibility of ownership. What What's the flexibility of owning versus renting? Um, I like this one that said one in three said they were not sure that owning a home was the best way for them to build generational wealth. And it's that surprises me because whenever I see people's profit and loss, their, whenever I see their PFS, their personal financial statement, so much of their wealth is in assets such as real estate. So mm-hmm. that one actually surprised me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts on this, Andy? I, I do want you to keep scrolling because I do want to talk about the how they're getting their education. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was kind of crazy when you sent this to me and I was perusing it at first that it just talked about, you know, the lack of education and perceptually that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Gen Zers, you know, didn't feel as educated, um, you know, maybe as millennials or, or baby boomers or other groups. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting. Well, and I think there's just so much information out there that you hear one thing and you hear another that it's almost, um, you know, paralysis by analysis for them, maybe. Um, but even down below, it says half of Gen Z believes that you need 20 percent um, to buy a house. Um, and you don't. I, we, we can talk about that another time, but that's where it's so important that you meet with a lender to talk about the options for you. Mm-hmm. So um but yeah, and then one of the things I want to talk about too is, you know, if you are a realtor or you're a lender right now, how are you getting your information out there? Because Gen Z is not going to be going to, you know, walking down the street and saying, oh, that's my bank or that's the, the credit union or mortgage company. They're probably going to join the social media, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things, if you keep scrolling, it talks about how are people getting uh, a little further, but how are people getting their information? And right there, social media is a trusted educational source. 
70% of Gen Z is going to Instagram. Instagram. So Kayla, I, I see a lot of Gen Z buyers in your future because you're like the queen of Instagram, whereas I'm about ready for the nursing home when it comes to social media. I feel like a lot of days. Yeah, but you want to know what though, Andy, is you're so good too. Like you're we're putting out this podcast. This could go to YouTube, you could throw it on Twitter. That's a cool part is that you can put these things in so many places and you're great at video too. Um, but that just surprised me though, 70%, you know, and I wonder where Google, Google lies. Google probably isn't, isn't much of a thing for, uh, for, for Gen Zers. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it is really, really interesting to see some of this also, you know, again, just backtracking and just saying that, Hey, they're less likely to turn to a bank or credit union. You know, they obviously don't like the established order. However, they may warm up to it. If they, if they find Kayla calendar on, <laughs> on Instagram, they may uh, say, Hey, well, you know what? I may be averse to coming into the bank or working with a traditional but, you know, she seems like she's all right. So, <laughs> well, you know why it is, is people go to the Internet. They Google, they Instagram, they look things up. And if, you know, banks and credit unions, a lot of them might have certain compliance in order. A lot of them are brick and mortar. And people like Gen Zers want that instant gratification. They want to be able to look at, you know, OK, who is this Kayla girl? Look her up, find her. And I think that maybe some people that some, not all, definitely not all, uh, some employees at banks or credit unions, I mean, you might only be able to find their bio on the bank website. And so I think it's just that I want someone that I can go online and reach as well. Well, and that's what people want. They want, you know, to find someone they know, like, and trust. And that's where, I mean, even like we've talked, you know, doing our, our podcasts, even though, you know, we're not always the most consistent due to crazy schedules and everything that we do in the communities, uh, among other things. But I mean, we've had people reach out to us. You've done business as a result of, of people finding you here and, and, and likewise. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a matter of, Hey, how do you want to go? We all want to serve people. We're here because we want to serve, but go find the people that want to work with you. You don't have to, um, you know, go through the traditional mediums as you shouldn't, because even again, when we look at what Gen Z, Gen Z says about, you know, a bank or credit union, traditionally, you've got the deck stacked against you. But you know what, Kayla? So do real estate agents, because I mean, you look at this stat as well. And and, and again, right away, it says right here, um, you know, only 58%, you know, trust 58% of Gen Zers trust a loan officer, 77% of millennials do. And then 67 and 82% respectively of a real estate agent. So again, you talk about what are ways to earn that no like and trust and move that thermometer, um, you know, mm -hmm. in our favor, it's, you know, to find different ways to connect with them. Well, and the thing is too, I had a client call me the other day and she said, I was told that I need to watch out for lenders because they're only in it for themselves. And I kind of giggle that I'm like, she has no idea what, you know, who she's talking to yet. She's going to end up being my best friend. And the fact of the matter is this market has created those people that are transactional in real estate, realtors and lenders to get out of the game because they are not um, showing empathy. They're not showing care and clients can feel that they can truly tell when you're just trying to sell them. And so I feel like this market has benefited 
our buyers and our clients because you're getting the real deal with people that truly are in this in these difficult times. Yeah. They're seeing it through for a reason. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm seeing it too, working with other agents where the, you know, the service and the communication just is not there when I'm having to do the other agents work for them and, you know, communicate with the lender that their buyers using. It's, you know, I shake my head, you know, it's my job to get the transaction done and make sure my clients are well served. Um, you know, even if the other party, um, you know, is, is not reciprocating. So mm -hmm. very, yeah. very, very, very interesting, Kayla. I think, um, you know, for me, it's been, you know, we sit here and, you know, a, a, a client is a client or, you know, a, a potential individual that, that's looking to be served. You know, oftentimes it's easy to not really directly think about, you know, their demographic, um, mm -hmm. you know, although I guess subconsciously we maybe do a little bit, but I know that's really helped me, you know, and learning more about Gen Z, I'm sure it was helpful for you when, when you came about it. And hopefully it's been helpful for those, you know, listening or watching today, um, you know, just to get a little greater insight. Mm -hmm. I wonder if, uh, what you know, if it's millennials or Gen Zers, who listens to podcasts more? I'd be curious. Mm, that's a good question. I want to look up that stat. You're probably already on it. You're Andrew Yegi. You're probably already on it. You know, I'm not, but uh, <laughs> what, what demographic listens to podcasts more frequently? <laughs> So we can uh, we we can look that up, Kayla. Yeah. I hear. I'm just curious, right? Because how many people are getting their information from podcasts? I know I get a ton of information. Thank you, Ed Milet. Let's see. We got to look. Let's look at the Pew Research Center. Oh, here we go. Two thirds of adults age 18 to 29 have listened to a podcast. So there's that. You know, Gen Z slash younger millennial, 67 percent. And it starts to fall off precipitously. Yep. Um, you know, so that's, that's very interesting. I guess that's maybe almost about what we would expect. Probably. You know, based on, on what we saw today. Yeah. So. yeah. Amen. Well, good, good wrap, Andy. I hope that this was beneficial to those, even that are in our industry that are working like us as salespeople, but also for those, you know, Gen Z buyers, it almost allows us to kind of understand where they're coming from too. Yep. Absolutely. So, well, Kayla, I think that's a wrap for episode 23. Thanks for that delightful presentation. And I hope you have a great rest of the week. I will if you will. We'll see you. Bye. <laughs>